great that you came out this early in the morning. I really appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity. This, like you said, this is our first time meeting in 3D. Indeed. Yeah, or is this yeah. 4D? It's 3D. Well, you, you came to life it's 3D, immediately. It's 3D. Yeah, 3D. Right, because we've been seeing each other 2D. Yeah. So where were you born? I was born in Oklahoma, um, a small place outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, in mm -hmm. um, yeah, 1972. 72, where was I? I just got through riding through there in 1970 on my motorcycle. Uh, oh, is that right? Is yeah. Because right? in 1972, I would have thought from uh, seeing other uh, videos of yours that you would have been in Japan right about 72? I was, yeah. but I'm saying in 70. Right. Not in 72, I came here in 74. Okay. I was still in the, I was probably, yeah, I was still in the States. I was in Louisiana then. Hmm. But just prior to that, prior to coming in the service, I took a motorcycle trip from L.A. to New York and back. Right. In Oklahoma, I remember going through there. Because we were getting those, they used to have stickers. Okay. Every, you could stop in the little gift shop and stuff and get stickers for every state. So I collected all of those. And this would have been Thanks. Route 66. It was 66, right. that's right. Yeah. You're right, yeah. straight through. <laughs> yeah, most people go through. Yeah. That's right, yeah. We did, I mean, I was, the one thing, I think, is Oklahoma a big corn area? Do you have a lot of corn there, grains? Yeah, plenty of that, I'm sure. Right. But, uh, you know, it was basically, we grew up with um, a bit of a combination in Tulsa. So um, you'd have, let's say, the city life. People joke, you know, we only have the two cities anyway. I mean, Tulsa and Oklahoma City. I don't know how much of a joke and how much of reality that is, but uh, you don't have to go too far to get into farmland. You know, uh, an hour outside of town, you're already in you know, s uh, sort of small farm areas. And mm -hmm. The person who described my hometown best, surprisingly, was my Japanese wife. So she's from Tokyo, and she would always give me a hard time about being a country boy and her being, you know, city girl. And I told her, no, no, I'm from a city. And she was suspicious, so, you know, brought her over to Tulsa. <laughs> toured her around, pointed at everything that had international in it. International airport, you see, we've got a shopping mall over here. It's a proper city, you know. And as we left after a week, her conclusion was that, um, indeed, it is a city for country people. <laughs> I thought that's that's, that sums that's it up. That's good, that's yeah. good. Yeah. That's really good. Do you have siblings? Uh, I have a half-sister. Okay. So, uh, yeah, she's three years younger. Three years younger. Yeah. Mother, father? So we have the same mother and different okay, same fathers. mother. Okay, That's different right. fathers. So your father? Did you grow up with your father at all? It's a it's a simple question, but also a deep question. Okay. So my biological father died when my mother was eight months pregnant with me, oh, and then sorry to hear that. Yeah. Well, so I when I came into the world, it was just me and mom, and then uh, a year later, she married my well stepdad, mm -hmm. and then uh, well two years after that, they had my sister or half sister. Are they still okay, your parents? No, they've actually passed away in the meantime. So uh, they both uh, you know, died at an early age, um, relatively speaking. So mom died in uh, 2011 and dad uh, before her already in 2004. Now, how old were you when your parents passed? Well, let's see. Uh, in 2004, I would have been 31. Okay. And then in 2011, when mom died, uh, well, that's going back 12 years, so right around uh, 38. So were you here when both of them passed away? That's right. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I'd just come here, or I should say, come. I'd come back to Japan in 2004, and in, I'd been here a few months when Dad died. Okay. So, so what kind of, when you're growing up, with your parents, what kind of kid were you in elementary school? Like, did you were you more academic, or mm. were you more sports minded? Uh, yeah, not academic really. <clears throat> it's funny. I ended up kind of stumbling into academia later in life, but. Uh, no, I think actually, uh, well, I played baseball, the short answer. So, um, I, But you started that when you, in elementary school? 
Yeah, I was stick uh, ball, yeah. stick ball, maybe. Yeah, we started out with tee ball. Tee yeah, ball I still okay. remember the first moment, you know, watching the boy in front of me hit the ball, you know, off of the tee. Really? Yeah, that was the uh, exciting moment. I'm next. And, you remember uh, that? Oh yeah, yeah. That was um, sort well, of. How, my, how would you have been? How would you I have been? been much older than what seven? Maybe? And you had on the uniform, and you had your hat yeah, ready, and everything. Yeah, really? Yeah, we had the uh, yeah the whole uniform. Yeah, that's right. So those were the early days of uh, baseball, and I kept. Uh, playing through high school. Did you have any positions you liked better? Uh, pitcher. I just, yeah. Oh, you were the pitcher? Yeah, I've always enjoyed, yeah, uh, throwing the ball hard, fast, accurate. Were you, you know, pretty was, good? Did you? Um, I had my moments, but, uh, you know, if you, once you get into high school, it gets really competitive, and right. especially in Oklahoma, where, well, for a lot of people, the only shot you have at university is basically you get a scholarship. So, you know, they're in it to win it. And right. if, uh, if you have, um, alternatives or other options you're not as serious and and I for other reasons I had other options I'd, I'd actually skipped over to Germany for a year in uh, well when I was 14 so uh, I had that I think in the back of my mind and I would say that sort of took away my edge uh, okay for wanting to keep on driving yeah. you'd already been out yeah okay so let's go through elementary school so you know you like sports and stuff you finished elementary school, you go into junior high school, did you start finding anything that you were doing more? Because junior high, you, st you have a different shift. Right. So what were you starting to feel like then? Were you still more physical than academic? Yeah, I, actually, I would argue I'm, I'm still not very academic. I ended up with a PhD, you know, I'm, I'm lecturing at universities. Yeah, of course you'd say that. Yeah. For all of us that don't have a PhD. <laughs> no, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, but it's funny because I have to highlight the fact that, well, I got into it for other reasons, and okay, it, it might appear academic from the outside, but... It never looked like that from the inside, let's say. Um, no, I kept playing, yeah, I kept playing baseball. I actually wanted to play football. I remember my mom was very good at uh, kind of steering me in one, you know, direction or the other. And she pointed out, you know, if you go out there and play football, no worries, but uh, you might break something, you know, you break a bone, and then you're not going to be able to play baseball. <gasps> you know, so, okay. She knew, she yeah, knew, oh, yeah, she yeah, knew, yeah, oh, she yeah, knew. Yeah, yeah, she got me with that. So, <laughs> baseball it was, yeah, so, yeah. That's neat. She knew how to work you. Yeah. Did you was your sister active at, with anything? What was her? What were the things she was doing mostly? Yeah, I think more in those days. Uh, let's see. She would have gotten into cheerleading and things like well, that. Well, she was really so, okay. So, like a lot of the girls, I think it's a little more attractive, you know, kind of being uh, that on that side of things. She played some basketball, so um, she was also on the court. Uh, but yeah, I think that also stopped for her around yeah high school. So, right. And you said there's two years difference between the two of you? Or yeah, a little more. I said two years and nine months. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And you were pretty close. Oh, really close. Yeah. I think because of all the, um, let's call it chaos and uh, lack of structure at home, I think that actually forces you to team up and make sense of the world. And, you know, I heard dad say this, I heard mom say that. And, you know, the way kids do the best they can to kind of make sense of what's happening around them. And I think that actually created a deeper bond than you would get if everything had just been smooth and easy. And, oh, you're over there doing your thing, and I'm over here doing my thing. Yeah. Right, right, right. So high school, you get into high school, what happens then? So, um, you know, if what you've heard so far hasn't been, uh, you know, diverse enough, um, it, it, gets, it just gets worse from here. No, so, but are you going yeah. through the – your family didn't move or anything. Did they stay in the same home your whole time? Well, you ask really good questions. So we moved, I'm going to say on average, every couple of years, actually, but always within the same city. So 
Well, that could still make a big difference. Um, right. Well, I would We're say part we of moved, the city. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. So <laughs> I would say we moved up and then we moved down. So, okay. And that had a lot to do with my going to Germany and going abroad and things like that. So I would, in a, in a certain way, we were part of the, I guess, American dream. Still, okay. you know, 1970s, early 1970s. Okay. Right. Um, and the thing you did back in the day was, you know, you would sell one house, you'd buy the next house, and maybe the next one would be the family home, and then you'd settle down. Um, we made it up to that point, and then the oil market crashed. So um, oh, I watched all that. And everything, yeah. Well, in Tulsa being completely dependent on oil, especially in the in, middle of the yeah, yeah, that country too, yeah, indeed, yeah. So um, I watched all of that sort of you know, build up, and I watched all of it fall down. And I think that's what also uh, what are the alternatives for me? And I happened to be studying. Well, I say studying. I was sitting in a German class anyway at. Uh, in uh, middle school, okay. and I was looking at the other, you know, kids in in Germany, and they seemed pretty happy. And I didn't see any oil <laughs> crash news there, you know. Um, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, you're looking in the book. Yeah, we had we had okay, a textbook. But, okay, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, learning German. Okay. Um, and and that was a mistake too. Because uh, it could have been right after the Führer. You don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know the difference. I mean, uh, truth be told, uh, it was an administrative mistake. I had actually signed up for French class and just ended up in the German class. Okay. And I thought, well, what's the difference? You know, you're from Oklahoma. I mean, really, all right, you know, French, all right. German, it's all the same, yeah, yeah, right? Okay. So I'm sitting there um, enjoying German class, and as I say, going through the textbook, and the kids there made uh, an impression on me. You know, the uh, the photos of kids in Germany. They looked really happy, and I thought Oktoberfest, uh, all that other good yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 kids. Yeah, I think that you know it just looked a lot happier, a lot easier than what okay. I was experiencing right, at right, that right. time in Oklahoma. But do, were you close to any of your grandparents? Or any Very side? close. Uh, so my grandparents picked up where my parents left off. On yeah. the mother's or father's mother's side? side? Mother's okay, side. Okay. What about your father's parents? Uh, we, yeah, we would visit. They're all in the same you know okay. community, maybe half an hour away. Right. But uh, it was the maternal side that was a little bit more. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, they they really gave me everything that I didn't get uh, at home, or that my parents weren't able to. Were you the only grandchild they had? Uh, so just me and my sister. Yeah, they were the only. The only she, they only had one child. That's right. So okay. Yeah, and um, yeah. So there's a lot to talk about there, but um, That's interesting. yeah. Did they did they live longer than your parents? No, or not? My grandmother outlived my mother by just a, a few days. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. It was a really. A really tough situation. I was faced with yet another one of these um, real-life dilemmas. Do I tell Grandma or not? Because she was in her last days. But you probably know this: how you know people will hold on, and uh, she, I could see she was waiting for for Mom to come. And um, I was really faced with that difficult decision of telling her. Two days her before. Just a few days before. So. So who t did you tell her? I, I decided. It and then be she said that was a. Indirectly, you know, I mean, yeah. she couldn't speak at that point, but she she cringed, and I could see she felt it, of course. And mm. uh, but it seemed like the the more humane thing to do at the time to let her know rather than leaving her wonder. Right. So, what about Grandpa? You know, Grandpa died. It was uh, just after the nine eleven attacks. So I was um, in Geneva, Switzerland, at the time, and um, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we couldn't fly over. Because of the 9/11 attacks, but uh, yeah, that so that was yeah, that time. Mm. Was it just natural causes that he died? Yeah, yeah, he, okay. he had a, a good long life. Um, he was uh, deep into his 80s. Oh, and, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So well, your grandmother was probably up there too. Same, same. Yeah. So, oh, so, so grandma was about 10 years younger than than okay. grandpa, but uh, she lived uh, longer. Yeah, too, exactly. Yeah. So, but 
she she finished her life that's right not away. Bad. That's not time. a bad run. Yeah, yeah. that's a pretty yeah. good run. Yeah. I think you get into your eighties. You, you, yeah, you yeah, you're, I'm pretty yeah. good. Yeah. You know. yeah. If we go, I don't feel too bad. I could use maybe a decade or two more. But sure, still, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No reason to cut that's it. That's right, 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 yeah. right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. So that's of course your sister had to be there too because it's her maternal parents too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I think I spend a lot more time up there, you know, being in the country, running around barefoot, you know, doing all the things. Did that, you hunt? Uh, I did, I did. What kind of, wait, wait, okay, yeah. what, what was your first gun? Yeah, okay, well. And how old were you? Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. Well, I think those two questions go together because you asked me if I hunted. Well, I still have the memories of, you know, an, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old, you know, a, a kid, basically. So hunting would be, you know, a BB gun would count. That's right, yeah, you know, yeah. So. It started with BB. But did you ever get a pellet gun? Or did you just Yeah, well, you know, you kind of, you know, advance. But so did you, you, did you ever a, a get a pellet? Because I yeah. never got a pellet gun. Yeah, well, I, I was, I thought I was big time at, you know, I got those those pellets. You those know? pellets, yeah, they're yeah. made out of lead or something, yeah, I think. Indeed, indeed. Weren't yeah. they? Yeah, and then you move yeah, the up Halibut. to the, the, the 22. You, you, you went know, to a 22. Went up to a 22. And then what? You get up to a, a 12 gauge. You, you know. went from 22 to yeah. 12. Yeah. Well, these are the. You know, That's gun, a kick, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Well, these are the uh, the guns laying around a, a country home in Oklahoma. You know, anybody outside of the U.S. is sort of. I was yeah. BB. Well, actually, slingshot BB gun. Yeah. Then I went to a 410 automatic. Okay. <laughs> 12 gauge. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we were ready for the world. I think. Did, would you? Did you? Were you pheasants, rabbits? Did you ever do big game? Yeah. No. It started out with small things, and and I think uh, well, the biggest would have been. We stopped at rabbits, yeah. So, um, yeah, I never went up to. Did you skin them? Did you? Uh, we did not the ones that I had hunted, but uh, we also my my grandfather raised rabbits. Okay, uh, so well, only because I wanted to to do that. They basically spoiled me in that sense, oh, wow. you know. So, grandma would always read, you know, the uh, stories whenever we would be traveling around the area, you know, in a pickup driving around, you know, Oklahoma. She would read or at home as well. Uh, Call of the Wild, or those kinds really? of things, and uh, Grandpa would be, uh, you know, oh, rabbits, sure, we can do that, and you know, build a rabbit hutch, and then well, we would build it. We actually built it together, and then uh, anyway, back to the skinning. That's where the skinning was. Was, uh, but did being, you, eat, you ate those rabbits? Well, that's what I was getting to. Uh, being a farmer, you know, you look at animals in a different way. Like they got to serve a purpose. Right, right. You know? he said, "I'll get them." But... Right, they're not just cute. <laughs> yeah. So Grandpa had other plans, and uh, you know, you'd. Pull the rabbit out, you know, kill it, skin it, right. eat it, and um, yeah, I still remember. There's another scene where my sister uh, broke down in tears. She couldn't eat it, but uh, you know, I thought it could taste a little bit like chicken, so you know, no worries. Yeah. Really? Yeah, this was. It uh, didn't bother you emotionally at all. Uh, well, the killing did. Uh, yeah. the, the eating, you know, by the time you had kind of you know got your teeth in it, you'd forgotten all about the killing. So you're making me think of the smells and stuff that I remember from doing that when you skin a rabbit. Right. Yeah. The blood smell, and then yeah. I also remember the smell of shooting my shotgun. The the gunpowder. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Those are the the memories that That's stay right. with us. That's right. It sure does. Yeah. You got to find that just the right spot in the knee to hang it up on the nail. That's right. And, That's yeah, right. All of that. Yeah. And then when you skin the head, then yeah. both all the legs and stuff. Yeah. Go down the ballet, oh, take yeah. this fair off. Yeah. yeah, I had to do all that, too. Right. Yeah, yeah. You look at things yeah. on your plate differently after that's that. That's right, that's yeah. right. I didn't like eating the rabbits that I hunted. Yeah. I, didn't like, I, I, didn't, I thought it was yeah. a little bit too gamey for me. Yeah. I didn't know that that's what, the reason why, but it was just a little too gamey. And I didn't. I wasn't emotional about it. And then I didn't like seeing the pellets in the skin. Right, right. You know, I yeah. shot it and you'd see the pellets. Yeah. Well, same here. It was a one time, one time event. So okay. I, I don't think we repeated that. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you get into college. No, but before college, I mean high school. So you're in high school because was it junior high that you went to mm -hmm. Germany or was it? No, high I school? think the Peter Pan fantasy sort of started to uh, 
capture my imagination in junior high school. Okay. But it wasn't until I was uh, probably 12, 13 that I decided I really want to go. And uh, so I was going to go to Germany. And uh, okay. we didn't have the, the, the finances to do any of that. So um, I had to find my own way. And just by chance, because I played baseball, I was at uh, baseball camp. And so we'd go there you know, every summer for a couple of weeks and uh, met a guy from Germany who was there. The only guy who wasn't from Oklahoma or Texas uh, was right there uh, uh, at uh, baseball camp. So, uh, yeah, we hit it off and uh, ended up... Uh, this is a kid. You're talking yeah, about a kid. Right, not right. A, I would have been... You say age. Yeah, I would have been 12. He, was, he would have been 13. Okay. And, he was uh, visiting from Germany or he lived in Germany? He, was he lived in Germany. just came to uh, come over and learn how to play baseball because that was something what? they didn't have at the time. Yeah, it was uh, very new in, in Germany. Um, By, but he didn't yeah. come with other kids? No, he just uh, came over on, on his own. Uh, it so, went to your school? Uh, well, to the baseball camp. So okay, he wasn't baseball even, camp. He okay. wasn't even at, at my school. He was just there for the two weeks and then went back. So uh, it was just, just that uh, short time together. Okay. And, uh, you know, I followed up with uh, letters. You know, right, right, We were right. pen pals back in right, the day, right. way before email or any of that. Right. Aerograms. And... Uh, and I just pitched the idea. How about I come over and stay with you and your family uh, for for a year? And he wrote back saying, "I talked it, you know, talked it through with my parents. No problem. But uh, I'd like to come over and stay with you and your family for a year. So that's what that's what we did. We and he actually a, did it. Yeah, private exchange. So we did it. So how did he get over? His parents paid for it. Well, yeah. So I went over and stayed with him for the first. But how year. did how you said finance were right? Part, so I told my grandparents, you know, they, they yeah. were in your okay. But even even there, the best my grandparents could do was um, well, uh, you could pick out one of the calves. So they they had cattle, and uh, they had usually about fifty head of cattle, and. Uh, you know, the risk is, of course, if the uh, if your your calf gets uh, sick and you're not able to sell it, then then there's nothing. But if all goes well, you know, you'll be responsible for uh, picking the, the the right one, and then um, uh, you know, after after she sells, then you can use that money to get your ticket. Uh, so I asked, of course, the obvious question: Well, how do I pick the right one? My grandfather tells me, well, basically two points: you know, long hind legs and a straight back. And uh, okay, I'll have that one then. <laughs> and then uh, nicknamed her, you know, Frau because of okay. going to Germany. And it right. rhymes, you know, Frau the cow. And um, <clears throat> I still remember going to the sale. So you'd cross the border into Kansas, Coffeeville, Kansas. How many years? Wait, how many years after you picked it? Did this? How just, many months? Uh, I, I think it was just months, six, uh, six, seven months, something how like that. How fast do cows grow? Wait, that, that, that's more or less the the rhythm that I remember. Yeah, you would you'd buy the calves, uh, you know, fatten them up over a course of six, seven months. Okay. I say all this again, the memories of a child, so it could be, could be off, but uh, that's but my But your age, you can go by your age. Yeah, how it you? would, have, would have been about right, so okay. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll stick with the, okay, the okay. half a year thereabouts. And um, yeah, I still remember going up to the sale, uh, Coffeeville, Kansas, and um, she sold for $720. And I remember that because that's what the youth fair ticket cost me from the nearest real international airport, which was Dallas, Texas. So. Um, yeah, five-hour drive to Dallas, wow. and my first flight. Grandpa took you there? Uh, no, my mom took me there. Okay. But, um, yeah, Lufthansa was the uh, the airlines at the time. Yeah. 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 So you get to Germany, and you stay there. What was it like for you when you first... For, had you ever traveled outside of your state <laughs> prior to that? Well, 
you've anticipated the answer, I think, which is no. I'd never, not only and never been out. your first time is going to be going all the way. Well, that five-hour trip, was that the first time doing that? That too, yeah. I mean, the, well, I take it back. Okay, we had, we had driven, uh, so we'd been to New Mexico. Okay. Uh, so we'd driven over there for, to, to camp. Rained the whole time. We ended up in a motel. <laughs> Terrible. Um, but uh, the other trip would have been to Six Flags, which okay. is also in Dallas. Right. Uh, the things you did as a kid in the Midwest, uh, it all sounds a little bit, well, I won't say anything. Uh, right, we, right, we may right. have some listeners in Oklahoma, right, 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 in right. which case it was great. It was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. wouldn't, wouldn't do anything other no, than oh, that. Oh, indeed. Right. So you get to the airport. <clears throat> You get on the plane. What were your feelings like? I mean, God, well, yeah, well, I think time. my heart was about to jump out of my chest. I was so excited. Yeah, I, it was. It was a real Peter Pan fantasy come true. Okay. I mean, it was. Uh, and there's almost an overlap with the other uh, fairy tale, um, the uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. You know, uh, and friends have commented on that over the years. You know, me being able to sell the cow and get the ticket and, and right, get over. Right, but right, yeah. uh, this was this was real life, and. Um, yeah, so I, I remember I landed in Frankfurt and then went up to Dusseldorf, where where I stayed then for the for the year. But they were there waiting for you, weren't they? <clears throat> my my host family, so uh, they would have they were in Dusseldorf. So okay. I remember calling from Frankfurt to say I made it over from uh, you know from Dallas, now in Germany. I can't I can't remember for the life of me how I would have said that because I sh I certainly didn't have the the, the ability to say much in German at that point beyond good morning and, you know, where's the telephone as we did back in the day, you know, right. you had to ask. These days, it'd be, right. well, it's in your pocket. That's you right. Know? But in those days, you had to kind of ask for directions. In any case, yeah, I let them know that I had arrived and then uh, you know, made the, the last flight then up to, uh, connecting flight up to Dusseldorf. So was your time over that year, what was, were you in school? I was, and that changed everything. So... Being in school helped me to really, you know, integrate. It helped to learn the language. It helped to also just uh, give me thoughts that I never would have had before. Like, oh, I see. Um, so from here, people go to university and things like that. You um, were thinking that prior to that? <clears throat> oh, not at all. That wasn't that wasn't in the cards for for me. My dad did always uh, harp on that. You know, you, you know, your kids are going to college. That was a, a big thing. My mom had a master's degree. Dad had stopped. Uh, partway through his bachelor's, so we weren't you know, an academic family in that sense, but uh, he was very adamant about that. Meanwhile, we didn't have the means to do that, so uh, that meant either you get a scholarship or you do something else. Um, not sure what the other thing would have been, but um, yeah, I, I, in Germany I heard, for example, oh, uh, in Germany university is free. So yeah, hearing that I thought, well, maybe there is a chance for me. and. That was just another example of some of the things I learned at school. Um, I learned also in Germany, interestingly, that the, you know, whereas we have high school and, and that's, that's, all, that's all there is, they had essentially three high schools. So uh, one high school would be for people more likely to go into the trades, uh, one high school for people more likely to go the academic path, and then one just in case, you know, maybe you have a, a late bloomer who might go one way or the other um, you know, later down the road. That's right. And I happened to be in the one where you were more or less university bound. And so I, I imagine that probably conditioned me in, in certain ways, a lot different than high school back in the US or back in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma anyway. How good did your German get? Um, well, I think there's a subjective answer and then there's an, there's an, an, an objective answer. The, the objective answer at the time was the 
the equivalent of our headmaster at the at the school had to write more or less what we had uh, done, you know, what level we had uh, reached, and she put me at um, an, an average speaking level in, within the native category. So I wasn't I wasn't you know at the top of the native speakers, but at, of your age at your age group, I had just caught the bus. You know, the linguists say it's around age twelve that you kind of lose the the option of really speaking the language without an accent and things like that. And even though I was, you know, 14, I was still, I think, just young enough to get my mouth around the sounds and, and reproduce it more or less uh, at a native level. Did you keep it up? Um, I actually intensified. You know, I got more specialized. I spent another four years in Germany, uh, which, we'll, which we'll get to now, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I ended up altogether spending five years there. So I, um, well, in, in, in simple terms, I, after that year, came back to the U.S., finished high school, and then didn't waste much time going right back to Germany at age 17. But how'd you get back? So... Did, Grandpa didn't give you another cow, did he? No, cow, no, <laughs> no cow, cows are all used up at this okay. point. Um, so uh, no, I came back, finished high school. During high school, worked during the summers as a carpenter's assistant, uh, which, well, Fancy talk for carrying pickets, you know. I mean, you basically we put up fences and things like that, and um, that was how I you know, saved up enough money to to get back to Germany with a big six hundred dollars in my pocket at this at this stage. So uh, you remember these things? Yes, but, of course, of course. You know, uh, that's how much I had because you know couldn't run out. So that's I had right. To that's right. Find the next source of income before before the six hundred ran out, uh, and yeah. So that's how I that's how I got back at age seventeen. To go to university now. Yeah. Yes, I, I really like your questions because, again, they're easy to understand, but they go really deep. Mm -hmm. So um, the the reason I went back over was that uh, I thought I would be able to go to university for free. I thought uh, you have to be. Oh, go on. Yeah, yeah. You tell well, the story. No, uh, to my again, these are things, thoughts that you have at a younger age. And you hadn't found that out prior to coming. <laughs> you would think, right? Okay. <laughs> you just so, heard free and you said, okay. Yeah, well, you're getting to Good know deal. me here. So, okay. yeah, I have this memory right. of a free uh, university education. Yeah, let's go. So, um, you know, flew, flew over there, went to the uh, university and uh, administration and said, you know, I'm here to, to do my uh, university. Is the same host family taking care of you again? Uh, no, at that stage, so my, my best friend at the time, uh, he, he was uh, still finishing his 13th year, so right. they have that yes, extra year yes. stacked on, on the, uh, that type, they call it the, the, well, gymnasium, and so in the gymnasium, uh, you have that 13th year of high school that's you know, really the last year before you go on to university, and that's the one he was busy finishing, and I'm sure parents had all their concentration focused on him getting Was he the only child? Was he has uh, two uh, younger sisters. Okay. So but he's the only boy. He was the only boy, yeah, okay. and, and the firstborn. So right. we had a lot in common. Okay. And, uh, yeah, in any case, uh, I had to, yeah, fend for myself at this stage. So I ended up uh, renting a room from a, a, another German family. And that was about all I could afford at the That's time. Say, yeah. uh, you know, I'd, I had gone to the university, they said, doesn't work like that. You, know, you can study here for free if, there, there were a couple of ways in, uh, if you finish an associate's degree back in the U.S., you can continue your education here. Uh, the other way would have been you could do uh, essentially what my best friend was doing, go to uh, German high school for that 13th year. From there, you know, you could go on to um, 
uh, German university, well, in reality in the U.S., but also in my mind, I just thought, well, going back to high school, it was a dreadful thought. What's the other alternative? I said, well, that, that's about it for university. So I asked a, a confidant of mine at the time. She said, take advantage of our apprenticeship system. So, you know, we have the, the trade schools here. Um, do that. You know, it's a, it's a good education. You can get a good job afterward. And it's a shorter path to the workforce. You know, you've got three years instead of four or five or, or more. And so that's what I did. I, but how were, you, how were you financing this? Well, this is the, the beautiful thing about the German apprenticeship system is um, you get paid. So, so you actually have the equivalent of a, a sponsoring company that uh, gives you a job, right? And then it, depending on where you are in Germany, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll split the time up differently between the company and your uh, professional school, not, not a university, but a, a more of a trade school for white-collar jobs. And uh, in my case, you would spend three months or so in a certain department at the company, and then you'd shift over and do more or less that amount of time in professional school learning about international commercial terms. In, in my case, I got into logistics, so that was the one I chose. It sounded more interesting than the other uh, professions. So I uh, got into logistics, spent, you know, as I say, three months uh, on the job and then three months in school. And then you just repeated that over the course of three years. So another three months on the job in a new department, though. So you'd be rotated around the company over the course of three years and you know, going back and forth. And the same thing at school, you know, you'd sort of spiral up over the course of three years. And at the end of that back and forth of three years, uh, you would take a... Um, a written exam. If you passed that, you got onto the oral exam, a you know, panel of uh, people asking you difficult questions. And if you passed that, you get your certification. So that's, that's what I did. Uh, did you pass the first time? I did. And it was, I'm going to say, all things considered, probably the most difficult uh, exam for me. I'm doing it in a second language, but more than anything, I absolutely hated that apprenticeship. It was a miserable experience. This is a real-life interview, so I'm giving okay, so it to okay, you. Right. But it was miserable. Yeah. So what was yeah. his name? What was his name? Because oh, the were many, jobs never there, miserable. So there what, were many, was, what, were, yeah. what were their names? Well, um, let's say my memory has probably blocked out any of the names. It was right. that. No, I thought at the beginning it sounded so exciting. Oh, trucks and trains and airplanes and ships and moving things around and all the creativity you need to find the right combination to you know, get under the bridge and then move it onto a, you know, a riverboat and all this kind of stuff. And I thought um, that would be a great uh, job. It took me about two weeks to realize this is, this is dreadfully boring and I'm really at the wrong address. Unless, of course, any of listeners are in logistics, in which case I'm sure it's, it's absolutely <laughs> exciting. exciting. Uh, just wasn't for me. And, uh, and yet I had started, and I really didn't want to stop something that I'd finished. So I, I saw it through to the bitter end and stacked another year on top of that. As you do in Germany, a lot most uh, apprentices will just go on into full employment then, you know, as a full-time employee for the company after, okay. you, after you finish. Right. You've gotten to know each other at that right, stage. Right, right. And in spite of knowing each other, I continued for another year. another year. Right. And uh, um, so four years altogether in logistics uh, there. Good. So after the fourth year, what would you do then? Because you stay one more year. Yeah. You're making money now. Right. So your life has changed drastically because yeah. you're not even studying anymore. You're just right. doing what you already knew how to do. Exactly. Yes, Were you I, able to put away some money before you came back? Did you come back to the States after that? No, I actually never went back. So altogether, you know, uh, I mean, I flew back over to visit family, but I never, never went back to live or never went back to, to work. Um, 
So I, I was only in the U.S. altogether for 16 years, you know, with that, um, okay. you know, until age 17, but with that one-year right. interruption being in Germany. Um, so, yeah, altogether just 16 years. So I've spent, a well, definitely most of my life outside, outside of it. So right. you were in Germany, okay, so after the four years and that one year with the um, company right. as a full-time employee, right. Right. Don't you have benefits that you get too if you stay continue to stay on and stuff? And yeah, and and the other apprentices, you know, they were, as I'm sure you've observed, when you start to move on or in in a sense move out of a certain circle, I think there's some human tendency to for the others to try no, to sure, kind of sure, kind of keep you. Because you're saying something about their career. Yeah, indirectly you're saying right. I, I think you guys are yeah, on the wrong path. Right. But you know, I, but I, I I didn't feel like that. I just knew that for for myself. I mean, I knew that very early into right, it already. Right. Um, and uh, I just decided, well, I had, in a sense, made the wrong decision. It was the only decision I could have made, I felt at the time. But in retrospect, I thought, you know, I, I made a mistake there, and I don't want to make the same mistake again. Uh, what is it that I need to change? And one of the insights that I had early, no, no, I should say around the middle of the, of the apprenticeship was we had a lot of uh, uh, other, let's say, employees coming in through university. And you know, they were university graduates, so they had more opportunities. They seemed a lot happier. They had exciting uh, work you know, options. And uh, I thought, well, either I'm going to become increasingly resentful and bitter, or I'm going to do what they do. Which was? Go to university. Okay. So that was, I was back on my mission. So I'd, I had a four-year setback. But I still had the idea that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to university. This so. time, that means you were, what, 22, 24? Yeah, I would have been 22. Yeah, 22, 22, yeah, Because yeah, I'd yeah. gone over, when, or gone back over when right. I was 17, right, and right. I'd, I'd finished then, age so 22. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be too personal stuff, but weren't there any girls involved or stuff like that? I mean... Yeah, yeah, there were. There were girlfriends along the way, um, and... Um, but nothing that held me held me there. So but you were always the American that was over here, and you're not German, right? Right, that too, that too. Uh, in those days, it would have been. I mean, it was all just. Uh, it was good fun. You know, the cultures enjoyed. I think getting to know each other. Uh, we had. I would say nothing but good times. I, I never uh, sensed any of the. I didn't feel like an outsider. I was, mm -hmm. I was very, very much welcome. If I was an outsider, it would have been. You know, I sometimes, looking back, realized my first year, as I said, was a Peter Pan fantasy come true. And I was part of, I'm going to say, my German friends might feel a little irked at me saying this, but I'll say it anyway. Um, that was a different part of society. You know, that, uh, that gymnasium, you know, that type of high school where, you know, university bound was a different part of society than the one I came into when I came back for my second tour, as it were, in Germany. These are your, your tradespeople. And it's a different future. And they knew at an early age, I'm going to say age 16 already, you kind of know this is the, the job I'll be doing probably the rest of my life. So um, my deciding to move on and do something different didn't, uh, didn't go over so well with my fellow apprentices who you know, knew they were going to be there for, for good. For the duration, you know. Right. What are you thinking? Yeah, uh, right. Going to... Going to university. After all this time you spent too. Right, right. And you've got the job, you've got the certification, and you know, here we're supposed to do this uh, lifelong. And I just thought, no. I, and it actually reinforced my decision. I, thought I actually definitely made the right decision. So, um, And the other thing was, well, you know, where did things go wrong? Well, I, I realized I want to do something more academic. you know, uh, And I think I need to sort of repeat that, 
that new experience of being in a different country and something with the, an equally kind of new environment to the one that I had experienced coming from Oklahoma to, to Germany and Japan. So right. after five years in Germany altogether. Yeah. And then just out of the blue, mm. not because of some magazine or book that you got, mm. And you saw Japanese people having fun and looking happy. <laughs> they, look, they look happy. Let's just try Japan. How did that? How did Japan pop up? I think I, I realized sort of intuitively that you want to have options. You know, in terms of just life in general, employment. You know, the idea of of, of having options is it's easier said than done. But it it struck me as the the better way forward. And languages. I'd kind of woken up to. The, the options that are born when you speak another language. And I think the idea of English, German, and Japanese at that time made a lot of sense. Not to say it doesn't make sense these it days, does, but yeah. it made maybe even more sense back then. So, I think so, then you, so you went on your pilgrimage to Japan. Right. How did you, you fare with that? What did you do first when you got here? Because you've been here, how long have you been here now? So altogether, uh, so it would have been two years back then from 95 to 97. And then I came back to Japan in uh, 2004 until, to, until What did you today. do from 97 to 2004? So, yeah, so I came over here in 95 for the first tour. It stayed here for a couple of years. Uh, I was at a language school, learning the language. Um, and then met uh, a very charismatic Norwegian professor who was um, sort of touring the world talking about conflict resolution. And he was a mediator, you know, parachuting into these hot spots and figuratively, he wasn't actually you know, parachuting in, mm -hmm. but he would, you know, go to these uh, conflict areas and talk with the different conflict parties and try to bring them to some kind of resolution. And I thought, what better job? Uh, that just sounded so exciting. So maybe Peter Pan knocking at the door again. I thought, I have to do this. So. I just um, I asked him, could I could I work for you? And uh, in in his uh, rather posh um, English, he just kind of looked down his nose at me and and asked, "What would you do?" And I'd never been asked that kind of question in in, in the <laughs> conditional. I thought, what would I do? Oh, hypothetically speaking, if I were, I get it. So I said, uh, "Yeah, I could um, I could be your interpreter." Yeah, I'll, I'll do English German. He says, but I speak German and English and French and Italian and 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 the list went on. And I said, okay, um, well, you're in your sixties. I'm in my twenties. I could I could help with your luggage. And he got a big laugh out of that. He says, you've gone from you know interpreter Georgia, to, to bellboy. You know? so, yeah. I said, it doesn't really matter. He got the idea. I just wanted to learn from him. So um, his name was uh, Johann Galtung. He's uh, Still going strong at How old is he uh, 92, now? I think. Wow. So, uh, and where's he living? He's in Spain with his uh, Japanese wife. Uh, yeah, so, How uh, was second yeah. wife? Uh, indeed, indeed. So okay, his first, first wife was Norwegian, second right, wife Japanese. Right. And um, I said, I'd like to you know, work as your assistant. And he pulled me on board. Um, and I uh, basically ended up going back to Europe to, to be able to work with him. Uh, what might be interesting to you in this context is my first, um, well, job with him was he said I'll be going to Okinawa so this was a, a, a very unfortunate time when the uh, uh, well 1995-6 there was a uh, rape in Okinawa with the American 
12 year old, I forgot how she was about 12. Yeah, I remember. So and, and then time? the commander made a big mistake in what he had to say about it. Okay, well, you understand all the background. Oh, yeah. you, you, saw this, you saw this from yeah, yeah. from the inside, I think. And, uh, I and wasn't in, but I, I remember the case because it had to deal with someone who looks like me. I, I, I see, I see. Yeah. So uh, in, at that time, that created a, a lot of uproar. And um, Governor Ota at the time uh, had called my uh, professor, so uh, the, the professor that I'd approached, had called him in for some mediation and basically asked for some, some advice. And they were sitting there, uh, the governor, the professor, and, and I was sitting there taking notes. And that was my first front row seat to how this kind of diplomacy works, uh, a little more backstage kind of diplomacy. But, um, and I was hooked. I said, this is what I want to do. So I said, uh, I'll do a master's in, in this field, so conflict studies, and, um, and work with this uh, professor. And that's what I did. For how many years? So I uh, went back to Europe, and that would have been in uh, 98, and did the masters in Austria and Spain, and then and, and had already started at that time working with him, so really just tagging along. Um, so it would be anything from driving him from one country to the next in his uh, camping car, which uh, was his favorite form of transport, um, to uh, you know, sitting down talking about you know, his most recent books. But he paid you for this. Uh, yes, he would always arrange for uh, yeah. opportunities, so indirectly, yes. I understand. And, and um, he was very good that way, and, and actually uh, directly some as well. So really? I, I did help build up his NGO at the time, and uh, so there we were in, in back in Europe. And I stayed there for seven years before, before my second tour of Japan in 2004. So, mm. so had you picked up the language by that time? So Japanese, I... You know, the longer I'm here, the less I feel I know. But um, I really uh, do, at that time, I would say I was conversational. But even that, it really depended on the conversation. I was really struggling still. Um, you know, you could uh, talk about maybe what you'd done the day before, but you wouldn't venture into explaining to someone, you know, how bicycles work. I, I mean, see what you're you saying. Know, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. certain yeah, yeah. sort of uh, line you have to draw. Um, now... After, you know, so, so going over there, finishing the master's, I then, you know, the question was, well, where do you go now that you have the master's? And that's where uh, he, uh, so Professor Galton, he insisted on the first name, call me Johan. You know, that was his really? uh, okay. preferred uh, way of being addressed. And uh, he introduced me to someone at the UN, and I did an internship, and the internship then led to uh, an in-house consultancy and one thing to the next. So... And with the UN? With the UN, right. Okay. So I still remember, I took the, the overnight train from Barcelona to, to Geneva. He was there to pick me up at the, at the airport. In my mind, we're now going to, so back up a bit, part of finishing my master's degree was to do an internship, um, an extended internship, you know, three months. And I asked him, could I do the internship with you? We could do it uh, online. So email was a thing uh, in, at that time. And... Uh, he said, "Well, why on email? Just uh, come up here and you know stay with me and my wife, and you'll be uh, you'll be my uh, apprentice. Uh, you'll build up the the NGO with me, and that'll be your apprenticeship. You know, you'll write about that, and, and I'll you know look at your paper, and that'll be that'll be that." So I was excited. As I say, I took the overnight train, showed up in Geneva. He's there, picks me up. I think we're going over there to start this exciting you know internship. 
And he says, I'm just going to you know, swing by the UN and talk to a friend. And I thought, oh, that, I felt intimidated, you know, the idea. Mm -hmm. And he said, come on, here we go. And I said, oh, I'll just wait in the car. You go do what you have to do. And he says, no, we're going to go talk to, to this friend, and I need you to be there. And I thought, well, I'm not, I'm not dressed for, this, for the occasion. And I, I looked at him, and I noticed he was wearing a, a kind of tie-dye T-shirt with a business jacket over it. And I thought, if he can do it, I guess I can too, <laughs> looking like that. So... Um, yeah, we went in, and he introduced me, and, um, and that he arranged for the internship uh, in that moment. So I ended up doing two internships, uh, so during the week, during the day, uh, at the UN, and evenings and weekends uh, with him. And, it's beautiful, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. And then you leave him, what did you start doing in Japan? Right, so, um, so I left him, you know, did the, uh, well, five years at the UN, uh, pushing a year at the training section of the UN, and then... Um, three years at UNICEF, and then I, I had an in-between period where I, I uh, hopped around, did some work with the UNDP, and uh, that was uh, the, the bulk of the experience. So essentially organizing training courses, interviewing UN staff, bringing in big-name trainers, helping those UN staff move forward in their careers, and then uh, switched over, as I say, to UNICEF, where I was doing background research on all of the corporate partners, so you've heard these campaigns, you know, buy our product this month and 3% will go to children's education in Africa and, you know, those things. So mm -hmm. before they would partner up with, with a company, they wanted to know uh, who they were getting ready to partner with. So mm -hmm. um, I would do the, the background due diligence, but a non-financial form of due diligence, reputation checks and all of that, all the good stuff, all of the not so good stuff. And then UNICEF would decide and sort of calibrate the, the partnership on that, on that basis. So exciting work and let me do more uh, work with companies. And I was getting excited about the role of business in conflict resolution at the time because it seemed to be a very public sector discussion, you know, and I kept wondering, well, what about companies? I mean, it, and this was, I would say, the time also when the shift had happened, the private sector had a lot more uh, power in the world. And I thought, well, what an under, underutilized resource. We really need to look at ways of... of pairing up the you know, companies in conflict areas and, and things. So I started looking for ways for companies to be profitable, their construction machinery to build demining uh, machinery. And uh, yeah, so I got excited about that. I thought, well, that's a, you know, a company with a purpose, you know, even bigger than business. Because mm -hmm. the president of the company, uh, Amemia, uh, so Mr. Amemia, he came out and just told the world, you know, we're a, a peace building company. And I thought, oh, really? Tell me about that. I need to hear more about this. What do you mean? And his basic point was, by destroying those landmines, you know, we're preventing deaths, especially uh, you know, injuries and deaths to children, because they're the, the most affected being you know, just mm -hmm. that height and mm -hmm. mistaking them for toys to give right, them bright right, colors right. and things. So uh, I thought, what an exciting opportunity. You know, if, I could, if I could study how he does that, how he manages to make a contribution to, let's say, a social contribution, but also... Uh, in another way, uh, being uh, very profitable also. So I was intrigued by that, really thinking seriously about going back to Japan, and then seized my opportunity. There was a, um, a partnership between, a UNICEF, well, between UNICEF and a Japanese company at the time, and I came in to broker that partnership. And um, I thought I would be here for a shorter period, but uh, ended up uh, meeting my wife here 
Was there any wife to be? She worked for the company. Not or? at all. Okay. No, unbeknownst to me, she right. was to be my wife. But uh, her friends had invited her to a uh, a jazz concert, and and my friends um, had invited me to the same concert. Actually, one person had kind of uh, suddenly become unavailable or unable to attend, and they said, "We've got this ticket. You know, why don't you why don't you join?" And uh, I heard jazz and. Sorry for all the jazz fans, but I, I just wasn't too excited about, you know, really? Mm, well, but I needed to kind of get out of my shell. I was, still am a bit shy, and I thought, you know, I was, you know, try to make an effort to, to be a little more outgoing and, okay, let's, let's try something new. I was at that stage, too, where I thought, if it doesn't feel right, it's probably a good opportunity for growth. Let's just do it. So I was, now, how old are you at this time? So I would have been 31. 31, 31. Okay. So, um, so we went there, and uh, my... Uh, my wife was sitting, I say wife now, but at the time, uh, first time meeting her, was, it was the uh, Blue Note. So we were at the Blue Note listening okay. to Angelique Kijo, okay. who was um, put on a great performance, by the way. And uh, we're sitting around the table with six or so friends and my wife-to-be sitting next to me. And uh, there was absolutely no attraction either way. Yeah. So, but, okay, that's the way these things go, I guess. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So how long did it take before you did become attractive? Yeah, right. How many more times did you guys have to be invited to the same <laughs> jazz club? Yeah. She had a, a kind of a, a business trip that she had to do, and she had two dogs that she you know, needed someone to look after. And um, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that uh, you, uh, you might edit. Uh, I'm not okay, sure how yeah, this goes. Uh, so her first impression of me was she was sure I was gay. Okay. So there was no uh, no reason really, to approach, really, really, yeah. and I was sure she was quite standoffish. Right. Okay. So, so you fit. <laughs> yeah. So no attraction, uh, but uh, yeah. At some point, she had a, a business trip uh, coming up, and she had the two dogs. And you know, who better to ask than the, the guy that you know, she gay. recently met? Right. Yeah. You know, who knows what images she had? You know, the uh, dogs will come back with pink ribbons right, right, right. in their hair. So, who, so you know, were they poodles? Yeah. Well, the equivalent of okay. Okay. Uh, the uh, uh, Shih Tzu's. Multi, so, okay, Shih Tzu's, yeah, okay, yeah. right. So, uh, and, and two of them. So, I, uh, she had me in mind for, for that job, to look after them for uh, a week. And as it happens, I was looking at that point for, you know, if I were to stay on longer in Japan, what would be the, the best place to, to be? And I needed to talk with people who had been here. I called a friend, and she said, you know, the person you need to ask is uh, Noriko. So... Um, She's, uh, you know, very knowledgeable about these things. And I was about to call her and ask for some advice when she called me to ask if I would, you know, pet sit, essentially. And, uh, okay, looked after the dogs for the week. She came back from her business trip. The dogs were still alive. And that was enough for, you know, building trust. And she started inviting me. You know, she would ask, uh, you know, are you going to be eating out this evening on your own? Or would you rather eat together? And I thought, well... What kind of question is that? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course I'll eat yeah, together yeah. anytime. You know, before eating out, and um, yeah, we're still eating together now. How many years? How many years? Uh, it'll be going on uh, twenty years very that soon. Was here, that yeah. Was so that was two thousand and four. We met. We married in two thousand and five. So is she an academic too? Uh, no, not at all. Um, a lot smarter than I am, but not academic. Um, mm -hmm. She um, she's basically. I would say she creates new hobbies every six months or so she's a very creative uh, spirit so it will be you know jewelry uh, at one time and then as soon as she's mastered whatever technique then she's on to oh i've got a you know my own 
uh, Amazon shop now, so you know, be uh, importing stuff from China and selling it in Japan. And then, okay, I've done that. And then she's on to, oh, opera singing. Yeah, I'll go sing in the opera. So, yeah. Now, one more thing before we get, get close to the end, I'm not going to ask this question, but what are you doing now? What's your job? Oh, thanks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, after uh, deciding we're going to make a go of it here in Tokyo, I decided, okay, I'd better go the, you know, the last. I guess uh, sort of part of the academic journey and do a PhD. So um, I got into the PhD program at the University of Tokyo and decided to, oh, nice. yeah, that was, that was important. You'll know very well being, you know, here in Japan as non-Japanese, there's a lot of, you know, institutional identity. Oh, you're, a, you're, you're at Microsoft. Ah, now I know who you are. Oh, you're at Mitsubishi. Now I know who you are. Uh, you're you're a, a freelancer. Uh, hard to put right, you. So right. um, institutional identity. I thought, well, you know, rather than a big company, how, and this was a, a big negotiation at home, uh, but we, we compromised on big name university. So we went with uh, that. So if I could do that, that would be acceptable. So made an effort, got into the PhD program there. At Todai. At Todai. Yeah, and so, um, right. you can't go any higher than that. That's yeah. it, folks. Right. I see. I see. Well, I, it was by accident, in a sense, because that actually uh, I decided more important than the university was finding the right professor. Um, I had identified the person I thought was the right professor. He happened to be at uh, Shitotsubashi. He met with me and and recommended. Actually, why don't you go to the Asian Studies uh, department at uh, Waseda? I went there, met. You know who I thought then would be the right person who said I'd like to take you on but um, I'm retiring why don't you talk to so-and-so over at uh, the University of Tokyo and so that's how I as these things go mm. so and I set up a company uh, Kabushiki Gaisha training so that was really the main work so I, I parked the academic things on the side focused on uh, training because that's what I knew from you know starting at the UN training section and got into mostly MBA-related training, so anything mm -hmm. related to negotiation, team building, leadership, all of that, um, and still do that. How many years have you been doing it? So this would have been, what, 2004 I came over, started out with places like um, uh, the uh, uh, Omai Kenichi uh, you know, MBA school, uh, and just have been doing that up till, up till today, so that would be now, what, 18 years plus? What's the name of your company? So Milestone is the name Milestone. of the company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if people look that up, they can find it easily? Yeah. I haven't actually needed to do much promotion. Okay. Uh, it's been word of mouth all the way through. Yeah. Which, uh, was, which is really, really um, important in Japan. Mm. Kumakochi. Exactly, as you say. If yeah. you do word of mouth, you're in. I, I, can't, yeah. I couldn't have planned it any better. It's so uh, beautiful. About the time one project is finished, the next one... It's right there. It, it's worked out that yeah. way. So uh, that's been great. And we think long and hard about company names. You know, for me, the milestone was symbolic of a lot of the things we do in life, where you you kind of reach the finish line, and soon after that, realize it's really just the beginning. That's right. So the, the over there looks even better. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, right. and it's ongoing. Right. So That's milestone. True. I think you know. I just try to help whoever I'm working with, an individual or or a group, to get from where they are to where they want to be, and then think about the next place they want to go. That's beautiful. Yeah. Right. So, Dylan, tell me this. Before we end, this is the question I like to ask, which I know you already know. If you could go back in time, mm. knowing what you know now, mm. and meet the younger Dylan, mm. how old would you be, and what advice would you give him? Yeah, that is a uh, deep uh, question, and 
I think I can give you two answers and they're probably going to contradict each other. The first answer would be, I'm guessing I couldn't have done much different than I actually ended up doing. Um, but yeah, I would have liked to have uh, given myself a little more time, not to be as, uh, as anxious. Probably going back to the time in Geneva. And um, that would have been your 20s? In, yeah, my late 20s. And um, I may even go back a step further or a step before that and say uh, it would have made more sense for me during my time in Germany to just stay there. Um, you know, thinking about academia, thinking about professional opportunities, economies, and these things. I couldn't have known that though at the time. So uh, my, my other answer, and the one that contradicts that one, would be that. Uh, it kind of needed to be the way it was. I needed to be as unstable as I was to move on or to be motivated to move on to the next thing that I moved on to. So yeah, I think it could have been better, but also couldn't have been any different. That's beautiful. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Lance. Thank you. Fantastic. Yeah. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe and never forget it's all on loan. So continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed.